We're going to have real fun this morning. But here's what I need, because y'all are quiet church tonight. I don't know what's going on, if we need a spirit of Starbucks or whatever. But I at least need some support from my leaders. I feel like I'm up here by myself, so don't leave me hanging. Uh, But we've been on a series titled, That's What He Said. And uh, basically, we've been talking about the word of the Lord. And this morning, I was going to end the series talking about prophetic character, talking about how we wield the word of God, both the biblical word of God, but also prophetic ministry and how we walk as ministers of the gospel. I'm going to save that for two weeks in two weeks, the Sunday after uh, Father's Day. Uh, Today, I just couldn't put it together. I was praying and I was seeing seeking the Lord last night and even today, this morning. And um, I, I just could not get a, a confirmation in my spirit that I was supposed to teach on prophetic um, character. I felt like the Lord told me to preach on the spirit of Jezebel. Thank you. I got two people who pray. So y'all will be with me. I'm going to try to garner a few amens. But I, I know some of y'all are new and so you're a little nervous. You're like, well, I don't want to stand out. Please stand out. That's the kind of church we are. We got all the ones nobody else wanted. All right. Myself included. All the misfits. We just don't belong. Um, (laughs) but today I I felt like I needed to preach on the spirit of Jezebel and which is why I wore my skinny jeans. The skinnier I get, the the skinnier my jeans get. Uh, some of my jeans are skinny jeans now. They weren't before COVID, but that's a different testimony. Um, but I felt like I was supposed to preach on the spirit of Jezebel because I'm tired of the voice of the believer being silenced. I'm, I'm tired of us, uh, succumbing to fear intimidation. Many of us have even taken it on as our personality trait that we're just shy, we're just timid. No, it's the work of the enemy. Um, I know I'm not going to get too many amens today, so I brought my own. I emailed them to myself before I got on stage. Um, This is going to be a tough word because many of you are going to hear this and think, that's a great word, but I'm not going to apply it. I'm going to encourage you more than any other word that you've heard in this series that you'll listen to what I've got to say this morning or tonight and that you'll really try to engage to see how do I need to apply this word in my life? Because many of you are supposed to be louder than you are. I'm not talking about your voice. I'm talking about your life. You're supposed to be walking stronger with stronger convictions. But some of you have been really tied down by the spirit of Jezebel. When I talk about the spirit of Jezebel, there's no actual spirit of Jezebel. When we talk about the spirit of a thing, we're talking about the characteristics of something that we see spiritually, just so we're on the same page. And so the spirit of Jezebel, when we were growing up, we were taught, you know, it was the woman who wore too much makeup or she had on red. You know, I don't know why red. I guess the devil's red, which I don't know where we got that from. it just happened. My Bible says that he comes as a, a, an angel of light at times. That's not red, but I don't know. Maybe I read the Bible wrong. Um, but we're taught that Jezebel is a person, but it doesn't have to do with a gender. It doesn't have to do with what you wear. It has to do with the spirit that you carry. And many of you have not identified the spirit of Jezebel in your life, and you don't know why you don't have the freedom to do what God's called you to do, to live the life God's called you to live, whether it's in your career, whether it's in your ministry. So when I talk about your voice being loud, I'm not just talking about your physical voice. I'm talking about the gift of God that's in you that's supposed to be released. Some of you, your your gift is too silent. It's too quiet. Uh, Some of you are artists, and you're afraid to go out there because the spirit of Jezebel has shut you up. Some of you are singers and musicians, but you're afraid to put yourself out there because the spirit of Jezebel has intimidated you. But today we're cutting her head off. Yeah, I, I came to make war because one of the things that we won't do as a church is raise up weak disciples. Uh, weak disciples are a result of weak teaching. 
it's a result of weak leadership. You don't have that here in this church. And I'm not saying that to brag about myself. I'm saying that because I'm after raising up people that are going to bring transformation to the region that we live in, not just come every Sunday for a pick-me-up. If that's what church has become for many of us, we're living not in the fullness of what Jesus purchased for us on the cross. He didn't just purchase salvation. He, he purchased so much more. As a matter of fact, he's the one who promised that everything that you dream about, it's too low for me. That I've got bigger dreams for you. I've got bigger desires for you. That my plans and my will excel yours. But many of us cannot reach what God is calling us to reach because we've got parents. I'm sorry, not parents. Spirit of Jezebel. That have been voices in our life. That have so intimidated us, and I'm, I'm going to give you a hard time, sound man, because I feel like teaching and preaching today, so we're going all over the place. Um, but many of you have been silenced, and if I do the ministry, but you don't do your part, we're not successful as a church. If I'm going around here preaching the gospel, raising money, planting churches and all that stuff, but you're not uh, 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 opening up the business that you're called to open. You're, you're not uh, doing the ministry you're supposed to do, reaching the homeless or the poor, whatever it is that you're supposed to do because of the voices that have been. And I want to ask you this morning or tonight, who have you been listening to? Many of us are, are sitting in fear because we have listened to the wrong voice. And instead of listening to the voice of the Lord, we've listened to the voice of people who have been unsuccessful in their life and they think you're going to be unsuccessful in yours too. And they limit you. They tell you what you can't do. They tell you what you should be afraid of. But we're shutting the mouth of Jezebel tonight because I believe that for every Jezebel, watch this, there has to be an Elijah. There has to be an Elijah. And I'll get right into this teaching, but I told the Lord, I was praying one day because I was breaking off some Jezebelic stuff that was around me. And I said, Lord, you know, because when you Pentecostal, you try to be noble and pray fire. You know, God, where is the God of Elijah? And I just heard the Spirit of God say, where are the Elijahs of God? And I told you it's going to be a hard one tonight. And the Lord began to speak to me that you will never break the back of the enemy until you walk into your prophetic anointing. Until you walk in your prophetic unction. Until you walk in who God has called you to be. Let's jump into this word. Turn with me to 1 Kings. Let's look at 1 Kings. I should have put the notes up so that you guys can have them. I'll Try to put them up later. First Kings chapter 16. And we're going to read verse 31, just one verse right here. First Kings chapter 16, verse 31. And it came to pass as though it had been a trivial thing for him to walk in the sins of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat. That he took, and the he there, they're talking about Ahab, and that's important for you to know because we're going to dive into that. And Ahab took a wife, Jezebel, the daughter of that person, king of that place, and he went and served Baal and worshipped him. This is Ahab, a king of Israel, marries Jezebel and begins to worship her God. Jezebel is a Phoenician princess. She's the daughter of a Phoenician king. Uh, the Phoenicians worshipped uh, many gods, but the primary god was this god named Baal. Interestingly enough, one of the loose translations of the name Baal is Lord or Owner. Uh, but can I just tell you that every other god, even when it tries to describe itself as Jehovah, will never be able to fit his resume. There are some things that we are worshiping that look good but not God. 
and we have to be careful. Uh, Ahab takes on the worship of Baal, encourages the children of Israel to take on the worship of Baal because the primary Phoenician god is Baal, and Jezebel is not just, she's not just a worshiper of this other god. She's a princess in their house. So she's high up there, and uh, most likely Jezebel uh, had been given over as a trade deal, because for those of you who know a little bit of history, you realize back in this time, uh, marriage wasn't just about love. It was about making territorial deals. And so the deal for the Phoenicians was that they would have access to the water. They would have access to the ports. And so they wanted this marriage to happen for financial gain. The first thing I want you to recognize is that uh, Jezebel will always use finances to trap you in. Now, I, don't, I, I really do love your parents, but let me talk about them for a second. Some of you are afraid to do what God's called you to do because you have more fear of your parents than you do of the Lord, and it's not acceptable. I'm going to talk strong tonight. Uh, well, how do I honor my parents? The Bible says to honor your parents. It doesn't say obey every word that they say because some of your parents miss God. And when it comes to the voice of your parents, and y'all don't like this, but I'm going to say it anyway. When it comes to the voice of God and the voice of your parents, God is not going to let it be an acceptable excuse that you were too afraid to uh, confront your parents, and that's why you didn't do the will of God. And many of us don't confront that issue because the spirit of Jezebel uses finances to keep us in our place. And so many of our parents said, well, if you do what I'm telling you not to do, I'm going to cut off finances. And because of the fear of money, and if you're going to be free from the spirit of Jezebel, you've got to be free from the spirit of mammon. You've got to be free from the love of money. Because if you're just trying to have a nice career, make a lot of money, you will, be, you will grow faint and weary because your life was made for more than green paper. It really was. And if that's what you're going after, you're going to miss it out. And here's what I found out about America is if you do what you're passionate about, you can monetize anything. I'm watching people monetize butter and crab. Where was that job when I was growing up? I mean, she's making one point something million dollars a year eating buttery crab and looking disgusting while she's doing it. Just eating. Just a blessed assurance. You can monetize anything. The problem is we're not really convicted about what God's called us to do. And so we're double-minded in our ways, and we take whatever voice is the strongest in our hearts or in our life instead of taking time to wait to see what God is telling us to do. Can I hear somebody say yes? Okay, make sure you're still with me. At the time, Ahab is the king of northern Israel, Israel at the time has been split into two parts. You've got northern Israel, and then you have Judah. Judah meaning praise. We all know that. Now, did let me read. My eyes are a little bad tonight. The question becomes, how did they uh, turn into two nations? Well, King Solomon created the wealthiest and most powerful central government Israel had ever seen. But he did so at, the, at a, a crazy cost. Land was given away to pay for his extravagance, and people were sent into forced labor uh, over in the north, when Solomon died, the ten northern tribes refused to submit to uh, the sons of Solomon. So Solomon, uh, you know, I know we praise him for his wisdom, but he's making some poor financial decisions, leaves the nation in debt when he dies, and when his sons take over, northern Israel doesn't want to submit to the children of Solomon, and they begin to split. 
Now, this is important for us to know because this becomes the reason why Israel makes a covenant with uh, the people of Phoenicia because uh, they now are trying to make money back, right? And so watch this. You got to be careful what you do when you're in need. You have to be careful how you respond to people when you're in need because some of the worst decisions we make is, are when we're hungry, tired, angry, and lonely. And we have to be careful what we submit to in those moments, who you fall in love with in bad seasons. Okay, I'm going to just look in the air. Okay. Because I felt a cold wind come across. Maybe online. I'm just talking to the people online. Be careful who you fall in love with when you're depressed. Be careful who you fall in love with when you're in emotional debt. Because you get anything that seems like it can fit the solution. And that's what Israel finds itself in. They find themselves in a situation where they need a solution. And instead of leaning on the Lord, they marry Jezebel. Now, I'm going to talk about Jezebel a lot today. And and it's not going to be a long sermon, I promise you. But before I talk about Jezebel, i got to talk about Ahab. Because there is no Jezebel until Ahab gives her authority. And while we're complaining about Jezebel, I want to talk about the Ahab spirit. The Ahab spirit is a spineless one. It's one that doesn't want confrontation. Let's just all get along. Now, for those of you who know the Enneagram, I'm an eight. I love confrontation. Let's do it. And I understand that some of us are not naturally wired towards confrontation uh, because we grew up in a hostile home or it it just has triggers around it. And I totally get that. But if you're going to be the believer that God needs you to be, you're going to have to confront some stuff. There are some generational curses you're going to have to confront. There's some stuff in your bloodline that you're going to have to cut off. And that cute little nicety Christian thing, it works on Sunday nights when you're trying to be cute for the pictures for Instagram. But when you really need breakthrough, when you really have to go through, you have to be careful not to be an Ahab because Ahab is a punk. (laughs) We're in Hayward, so I'm going to talk real. Ahab is a punk. And can I tell you, according to Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, the Bible says that cowards will not inherit the kingdom of God, that there are no punks in heaven, that if you're going to be the kind of Christian that Jesus purchased, you're going to have to have a backbone. You're going to have to learn how to say no. Can y'all talk to me tonight? I know this is a hard word, but you're going to have to learn how how to stand up for yourself, how to have healthy boundaries, how to tell people, no, I can't do that because that's not who I am. No, that's not where I can go because that's not who I am. That's not what God's called me to do. Ahab has no ability, after marrying this Jezebel woman, has no ability to stand up to her. And the spirit of Jezebel runs rampant because we have pastors who are Ahabs. We have board of directors who are Ahabs. We have leaders and preachers who are Ahabs, and they don't want to confront the issue. I watched the whole season while we were in COVID and all these different issues that were going on, and and I watched these pastors not speak up about racial injustice, not speak up about the nature of America and the need for change, not speak up or speak into any of these situations, but then they spoke up when, what's the kid's name, Lil Nas, he made some Satan blood shoes, which we made a big deal out. I've met real witches. They're not making shoes. Sometimes we just need to use common sense. Like the, the, the devil is, that's, that's a ploy to get you to buy him. That has nothing to do with demons. But I got upset because I thought out of all the stuff that you could have addressed, you picked the low-hanging fruit. You know why? Because we have a spirit of Ahab in the church where we don't want to confront and deal with real issues. Uh, me and Andrew were at a pastor's gathering, and I had the opportunity to speak. i got to make sure I look cute while I'm yelling at you. Um, 
And we were on sta- I was on stage, and they asked a question, uh, how do we get unity? And this is what my answer. I said, we'll never have unity until the pulpit begins to talk about what the pews are talking about. There is all kinds of dysfunction in our pews. Everybody's having drama. Folks are fighting black, white. Do black lives matter or not? And we have a bunch of punk pastors who are standing up here going, please don't stop tithing. Please don't stop attending. Please keep coming because we're insecure and use ministry to validate ourselves. I'm going to tell you the truth about it. We will have a good time tonight. If this is your first time at Collide, I promise you it won't be your last one. This is going to be a good message for you. Watch this. And, we have, and I told them, I said, we will never have unity until we start talking about the dysfunction that created disunity. Because to ask for reconciliation without dealing with the issues that brought us dysfunction is not reconciliation, it's manipulation. And until, um, don't yell yet, it's too early. Until we, try one more time, until, because I want to not scare my non-African American people away. Um, until We as pastors and leaders, and I'm preaching to myself tonight, until we get backbones to start confronting issues. You know, I got to tell you the truth. Sometimes it's hard to confront you because I love you. Sometimes it's hard to tell you that's not that's not the Lord. Sometimes it's hard for me to tell you. But if I'm going to be the kind of pastor I, I need to be, the kind of prophetic edge pastor that God's calling me to be, I've got to learn how to confront the spirit of Jezebel. Let's get into this. Turn with me to 1 Kings 19. We all know the story of, or most of us will know the story of Elijah as he's on Mount Carmel. Give me about 20 more minutes and we'll be good. 25, let's call it a 25. We grew up in the same church. It's like, what time is service over? That's not, what? (laughs) Just leave your watch at home. Let me, before I read this, let me give you a little context to what we're diving into, because we're not going to read the whole story, but I do encourage you to read it when you get back home or if you're watching online. In 1 Kings, we have this story where Jezebel has prophets, because you do know Jezebel has prophets, right? Hers are on payroll, and they care about honorariums and money, but that's a whole different, maybe it's not a different message, I'll throw that in later. Um, And Jezebel, her prophets have now challenged Uh, Elijah. And I love Elijah because, you know, some people don't think sarcasm is godly. We're going to see that sarcasm is very godly. Um, If you, I've had people tell you, you shouldn't be sarcastic. It's not godly. Read Job chapter 38. God's very sarcastic. He tells Job, were you here when I made the stars? (laughs) God, I like your attitude. All right. So the prophets of Baal and Elijah are on this mountain and they want to see whose God is really God. And so Elijah says, here's the deal. Let's put a bunch of sticks and water and, and different things in this little pot here, or in this, um, what do we call it? Cove. I don't know what to call it. Like ditch. There we go. That's the word I'm looking for. Uh, throw it in this ditch. And you call down to the gods of Baal to send fire to consume the water and the bricks. And we'll see if that works. And if that works, we'll serve your God. But if it doesn't work, I'm going to pray for Jehovah to send fire. And if he sends fire, he's really God. So the prophets of Baal get up, and they start going for it. Man, it looks like a Pentecostal prayer meeting. I mean, they're yelling and screaming. At one point, they start scratching and doing all these exos. Because when you don't have power, you got to have a show. Okay? Let me try it one more time. When you don't have power, you've got to have a show. And so some of us don't even know how to have worship times if the worship leader's not up here. Come on, lift your hands. Come on. You're not going to get that here. You're just going to have to come hungry. 
And I love it because even though they have the form of godliness, they still deny the power they're in. And there's a show as if they're doing something, but there's no power behind what they're doing. And let me just throw this in there. If we're going to be the kind of church that God's called us to be, we have to be a church that moves beyond practical and tangible. We do not have a practical faith. We have a supernatural faith. I've had people tell, you just need to preach practical sermons. And that's why we have practical Christians who like to talk about problems instead of praying about them. We have a supernatural faith. And I love the challenge because Elijah says, the thing that differentiates us is that I come with power. And so when Elijah is watching the prophets of Baal do all that they're doing to try to get their God to answer by fire, he starts making fun of them. <laughs> he goes, oh, maybe your God's on the toilet. <laughs> like, this is in the Bible. I promise you, if you read the word, you won't even have to watch K-drama. This stuff's hilarious. He starts saying, well, maybe he's on vacation. Maybe he's out taking a break. And I love it because we've been taught to honor Jezebel's voice. Oh, just respect everybody. I'm, I need some disrespectful Christians in this season. What do you mean, Pastor Dale? I'm not talking about dishonoring people because we honor folks, and it's not about people. It's about the spirit that people carry. And you have to learn. There are some people I just can't be around because I don't want your spirit to get off on me. And, and I'm going to be rude. I'm going to try to be my best to be nice and polite and honoring. But I know having boundaries to some people is very rude. And I love it because he starts dishonoring. He starts making fun of them, starts poking fun at their God, all this different stuff. And the God never answers. And so Elijah says, step back, boys. He calls down fire. Fire comes. And then it doesn't stop there. He kills all of the prophets of Jezebel. And here's what's very important. We've got to stop leaving the residue of where we've come from. This is very important. Hear, hear what I'm saying. Some of us have not cut the ties. I'm talking about old relationships, um, old dreams that we haven't let go, that God's not in, um, different aspirations that we once had that God's not in. We have to learn how to mourn and uh, what, we're, what we've lost, but we have to learn how to cut it off completely. Because if we don't, we run into the same problem that Saul had, where God told Saul, kill all of the Amalekites, and he killed most of them, but not all of them. And the problem with partial obedience is that it's required, that it's, uh, partial obedience is nothing more than full disobedience. God will not accept partial obedience. And so I love the fact that Elijah cuts off all or kills all of these prophets. And look, let's look at First uh, Kings chapter 19. Are y'all still with me? First Kings chapter 19. We're just going to read. Let's read a few verses. Verse 1, 1 Kings chapter 19. And Ahab told Jezebel, all, and this is right after Mount Carmel, the story I just told you about where, where he kills all of the prophets of Jezebel. Look at verse 1. And Ahab told Jezebel, all that Elijah had done, also how he had executed all the prophets with his sword. Ahab's a punk and a snitch. Verse 2, then Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah saying, so let the gods do to me and more also, the gods who just lost, by the way, um, if I do not make your life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. So Elijah just defeats the prophets of Baal. Ahab texts his girl Jezebel, says, hey, Jezzy, 
Um, you might not have seen this on BuzzFeed, but um, Elijah just killed all your boys, all your prophets. And here's the thing. The only reason that they're prophets for Jezebel, I did research. I found out that Jeze- uh, Jezebel had a payroll, and she would put prophets on her payroll to prophesy what she wanted them to prophesy. I want to be very careful because this money issue is very, one of the things I learned when I first became a pastor is I got to be careful who I let treat me out to dinner. Why do I say that? And I'm not trying to get too deep and I don't, I'm not one of those people who likes to figure out, are you in my circle? Should you be in my circle? I'm strong enough to live by faith and trust that will send who needs to come and take away who doesn't need to come. But when I first became a pastor, a whole lot of the demons, I'm sorry, deacons would try to take me out for lunch because this was their way to try to get me to do what they wanted me to do, right? And so one of them would take me out and say, hey, they slipped me a little check for $300, which I'm like, I know I'm poor, but I'm not cheap. Like, bribe me with a little bit something else, you know? And he'd pass me over a $300 check, and then we have a conversation about, you know, the worship songs that he loved and that he, and, you know, I was raised right, so I took the check and sang nothing he asked me to. No, I'm not about that. Oh, I gave the check back to him. Nah, nah. The wealth of the wicked is laid up for the righteous. Bring that sucker right back over here. Um, and, I, and this would happen all the time. People would try to take me out to lunch or try to give me a gift, and it was their way to win me over because people will use their finances and influence to try to manipulate you into, and some of you are, are trying really hard not to talk, think about your parents, but when I prayed and prepared this message, that's all I kept hearing today. And I'm not saying that your parents are Jezebel. That's not what I'm saying at all. I need you to recognize the spirit of Jezebel, though. I need you to recognize when you're being manipulated out of the will and the word of God and you're being intimidated. God does not use fear to move you. There is only one fear that's acceptable in the kingdom, and it's the fear of the Lord. Every other fear is unacceptable. Why? Because if you have the right image of who God is, if you see him rightly, you will be afraid. Get, get rid of that stuff of, like, fear just means to have reverence and respect. I, I respected my grandmother a whole lot, but I didn't call her by her first name because I was afraid she would kill me. <laughs> there, there's this thing about God where, yeah, we have reverence and respect for him, but when angels would show up, people would bow down and say, please, don't kill us. Please don't kill us. And if they're doing that for angels, how much more fear would be produced if we saw the Lord? Why is it important to fear the Lord? When I fear the Lord, I put into perspective everything else that I'm afraid of. How can I be afraid of anything else when I know the God who crumbles mountains? When I know the God that when you speak his name, cancer shrivels up. That at the mention of his name, demons still tremble. This is old school preaching right here. But at the mention of his name, demons still tremble and waves still crash. At the mention of his name, mountains still, that this is the God that we serve. And when we see him rightly, every other fear becomes minimized. Because he's the only one worthy of our fear. That's a weird thing to say. But he is the only one worthy of our fear. But what Jezebel does is that she tries to intimidate you, manipulate you, bring you into a place of fear so that you see no escape and that the only thing that you can do or say is what she wants you to do or say. If they're not saying amen, move on. Okay. Thank you. I appreciate that. One Pentecostal. 
One of the things, and we don't have enough time to go there, but in Deuteronomy, one of the things that God told the children of Israel, he's, a couple things. He said, have no other gods before me. But he said, I don't want you to marry anyone outside of your race. Now, I wanted to do a study on this because race matters to me. I'm black and, you know, black lives matter, all that stuff. And so I was doing it because I'm thinking like, is, man, God must be American. He seems a bit xenophobic. <laughs> Came to upset a few people. I feel tired. So I'm trying to think, is God xenophobic? He doesn't want people to marry outside of their own race because people have used these scriptures to point that context out. And that's not what God is saying there. God was telling the children of Israel, you are so easily swayed. I don't want you to marry outside of your race because I don't want you to marry other gods. The children of Israel were not very smart. This is why God calls us sheep. You thought that was a compliment. Sheep are dumb. They do the same thing that hurts them over and over and over again. The children of Israel look around them and see other people having kings, and they say, God, we want a king. And God says, well, if I give you kings, it won't be good for you. Your sons will have their blood spilled in the street. All these things will go wrong. And the children of Israel go, so when can we have one? <laughs> We're sheep. And the children of Israel were so easily swayed that God said, don't marry into other races because I don't want you to marry their God. Like we see with Ahab and Jezebel. That in them marrying, Ahab takes on the God of Baal. He takes on the Phoenician God. And that's what God was trying to get them away from. He's not xenophobic at all in his nature. But what he does want is holiness. I know that's a four-letter word we don't like to say anymore, but holy is still right. Okay, I'm a, ooh, that makes me nervous. I, I want to be careful because some of us can heap on condemnation on ourselves, and that's not what I want to do. But I do want to say there is a way that God wants us to live. There is a set of partners that he wants us to live, that we can't do everything that everyone else is doing. We can't smoke everything. We can't drink everything that everyone. We can't sleep with everything. Okay, let me move on. I'm just, because this is how y'all are all looking at me. Please don't look at me. Please don't. Please. This dude. <laughs> I don't mean to be in your business. There's an exchange that happens in the marriage between Jezebel and Ahab. Ahab gets financial power. Jezebel gets spiritual power. And there's a trade-off that begins to happen. That the Phoenicians got spiritual influence into the lives of the children of Israel, and the children of Israel, all they got back was money. Let me dive a little bit deeper into this. Actually, let's go back to 1 Kings chapter 19. And let's look at different computer today. I need to buy my phone. Of course I can't find it right when I'm up here. I'll just have to tell you the story. It's in 19 or 20. After the whole Mount Carmel scene, Jezebel sends a word and says, I'm going to kill you and do to you what you did to my prophets because Jezebel's got a big bark, but she has no bite. 
Um, that's why you should never be scared. If you talk a lot, I was raised in the hood. I was in the hood, but not of the hood. Um, and in the hood, we kind of have a thing. If you talk a lot about what you do, we just don't believe you. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a, I'm a. The people you should be afraid of are the ones who don't say anything. <laughs> like if you start popping off at the mouth and they just look at you like this. If you're anywhere close to the hood, just walk away, right? Um, and so Jezebel starts popping off at the mouth and says, well, I'm going to do this to you. I'm going to kill you. And here's what happens. E- Elijah, this great prophet of Israel who had just slain hundreds of the prophets of Baal, is intimidated by a singular voice from a woman named Jezebel. He runs into a cave, and he begins to be isolated and secluded, living by himself, and starts crying out to God. And here's his cry, Lord, I'm the only one. And isn't that what happens when the word of Jezebel or the voice of Jezebel spoken into our life, that word of intimidation, that word of you'll never be able to do it, you'll never have what it takes to do it, what do we do? We begin to isolate ourselves, we live in a cave, and we feel like we're the only ones. And here's the word that God tells Elijah, I've got 7,000 other prophets just like you. I need you to hear this. Community is important because you need to know you're not the only one going through the struggle. Some of you feel... Like you are the first and the only person who's ever had to deal with what you're dealing with. I want to promise you, the more you engage in community, the more you'll realize that there are people who have gone through what you've gone through, who have been where you've been, and they've succeeded. They've come out on the other side. But Elijah, instead of getting around God's people, sits in a cave by himself by the grace of God. Because even in his cave, even in his dark place, even in his isolated place, giving up on ministry, don't want it anymore, don't want to deal with the people of God. Even in the midst of all that, God speaks. And I've got good news. No matter how dark your cave is, his voice transcends the darkness. Listen to me. I need you to hear me. Because many of you are sitting in caves in this season. And you cannot seem to hear the voice of God. Watch what happened. The Bible says that there came a great wind. There came a whirlwind. There came all this noise. And Elijah didn't hear God. But in the whisper, there was a whisper. And in that whisper, in the quietness, in the stillness, God began to speak. You remember what I said the other day? That quite often God will speak while we're resting. And the reason that we don't hear the voice of God in the midst of our caves, in the midst of our darkness, is not because he's not speaking. But I think it's because we're looking for everything else to be a solution instead of the voice of God. And so we get busy with working overtime. We get busy with serving in church. We get busy maybe with video games. or what it, take, your, take your employer, whatever it is. You get busy. Instead of taking time to sit back and go, God, what are you speaking to me? Because the only word that really matters is his. The problem is Elijah's taken the words of Jezebel, internalized them, and now he's hopeless. And how many of us are sitting in this room watching online, and we've internalized the negative voices. We've internalized the voices that said you'll never be or you can't. Many of us, even to this day, before we ask a question or before we say anything, we're constantly apologizing. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Because we were told that we're taking up too much space. Growing up, we were told we were too much. And so even now, we live our life in this, even if you're not in an isolated cave, you live your life in a spiritual cave. You got a bunch of friends, but nobody really knows you in a deep way. Everybody take a deep breath in. I'm really trying to help you because if you, 
The truth is we're going to constantly go through things because those things that we go through come to make us more like Christ. Some of those things God's not going to deliver you from because he's using it to shape you. And you're going to constantly go through things. No matter what you go through, you have to make it a, pro- a practice to listen for his voice. And know that he will speak in the stillness. And I wonder if he's not speaking or we're not hearing because we just won't shut up. When's the last time you prayed and said, okay, God, I've been talking the whole time. Your turn. I I texted a bunch of our leaders and some of our church today. And I said, hey, before you come to service, I just want you to take about 10 minutes. No music, no noise. Just sit in a space and just let the Lord speak to you. How often do we make room for that? So no wonder our hearts are anxious. No wonder our souls are all over the place. Because we have all of these voices, not just the voice of Jezebel. We've got every voice coming in and and speaking to us. And and we become wayward and double-minded. We need to take time to learn how to sit and wait on the voice of the Lord. That is the only thing that will combat what she said. It's what he said. The only thing that will combat the negative voices is the word of the Lord. And I'm not just talking about the prophetic word that you get or that you receive spontaneously. I'm talking about diving into the word of God. Diving into scripture, memorizing scripture. I'm I'm talking about more than those two that you've known since vacation Bible school. Come on, don't look at me in that tone of voice. You know what I'm talking about. You got to start getting the word in you. Why? The word of God is the vocabulary for our faith. What are you fighting with if you don't have the word? I told our worship teams, I need you to get the word in you so that when we have spontaneous moments, you're not pulling from an emotional place. You're pulling from a biblical place. Is this making sense at all? But even as you go through your battles, even as you go through your stuff, even as you combat the voices of Jezebel, the voices of negativity, the voices that are trying to hold you down and and tell you what you can't do, the only thing that will strengthen you to oppose those voices is the voice of God. What did he say? When's the last time? If I asked you right now, what is God speaking in this season? Would you have an answer? Well, you know, I'm not really hearing. No, 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 friend. You're not listening because God's speaking. I promise you he's speaking. But you have to have a word for this season. Let me wrap this up really quick. And worship team, you guys can hop back on stage. Y'all didn't believe me when I said I was going to be short. Let me give you four points so I can sound like a real preacher. I just want you to prepare your heart because we're going to pray a little bit. How do you combat the voice of Jezebel? When I say voice of Jezebel, that could mean a, a bunch of things for you. That voice that when you try to do what God's called you to do, it always pushes you back into the cave. How do you combat that voice? That voice when you think, man, I want to get married, and something in the back of your head says you're not good enough, you're not pretty enough, whatever it is. How do you combat that voice? Let me give you four things. Let me say this really quick, and then um, we'll pray a little bit. It breaks my heart to see many of us unable to speak, unable to speak up unable to witness, share our faith because there's something 
that keeps intimidating us, keeps telling us we're going we're gonna to die, we're going to be poor, we're going to be home, whatever it is, there's something in it. And I just, I want to see us free. Number one, if you're going to break the voice of Jezebel, you have to be a prophetic voice. You've got to start declaring the word of God against your situation. Start prophesying. If you've got a fear, I was talking to somebody this week and they said, man, I don't know where it comes from, but I just have this fear that I'm going to get cancer. You know, mom got cancer and mom's mom got cancer. I just know I'm going to get cancer. I said, that's not what the word of the Lord says. The word of God says that healing is the children's bread. Start declaring it against the negative voices. Number two, not only do you need to be a prophetic voice, you've got to deal with the Ahab spirit. You've got to deal with the spirit that is easily intimidated, easily shut up, easily feared uh, uh, or fearful, easily um, gives up. You've got to have a backbone in this hour. You have to be strong. You might not get it right, but you've got to, you've got to have a backbone in this hour. Number three, the way Jezebel ended up dying in the natural was that a eunuch threw her out the window. Just so you know what a eunuch was, a eunuch was a servant to the queen who had their genitals cut off so that they would not have intimacy with the queen. If you are going to defeat Jezebel, you're going to have to be a eunuch. What do I mean? You cannot kill what you're sleeping with. Hear me. You cannot kill what you're sleeping with. Some of you can't break shame because you use shame. Some of you can't break fear because you actually use fear to try to intimidate others. Some of you might be under an influence of Jezebel. If you're going to destroy Jezebel, you, you've got to be a unit. I was at a youth camp one time and I got a call. said, hey, Pastor Dale, can you and your friend come and pray deliverance? And so my friend went up and went with him and he starts praying and, you know, tongues, the whole works. And the little girl full of demons just speaks up and goes, how are you going to cast out a sexual spirit for me when I live at your house? And the pastor runs out and I'm left with having to cast out the demon. And it was at that moment that I realized you can't cast out what you're bound by. And then the last one. After Jezebel died, the Bible says that dogs came and ate her flesh. Or excuse me, and they cut off her head. There's this interesting thing that happened after David, and I'm gonna, we're, we're gonna end here. After David defeats Goliath, we usually stop there. But that's not the end of the story, Sarah. At the end of the story, the Bible says that David picks up the sword of Goliath and cuts off Goliath's head. He's already dead, why would you have to do that? I believe God wants you to put to shame the thing that's put you to shame. I'm not talking about people. This is not a battle. We don't wrestle with flesh and blood. So I don't need you calling your parents being like, listen, Jezebel. That, that's not what this message is about. It's about you addressing the issues in your life that have caused you to live under intimidation because you've not believed the word of the Lord. Some of you hear it every Sunday and you get to believe. If you're going to deal with it, you have to cut off the head. You've got to cut off everything in your life that's keeping you bound by fear. Some of you need to get rid of Instagram because you can't stop comparing your life with other people's life. You gotta cut it off. Whatever it is, you gotta let the dogs eat it. That's my metaphor for it. That, that God wants to come and completely destroy the thing that's had you intimidated. So I'm gonna get the benediction. Lord, I wanna bless all of our family, Lord, to, to live in the freedom, 
strength and the power of your name, Lord. Lord, to break every bond, Father, every generational bond, Father, every soul tie, God, every lie we believe in, every habit, Lord, every lifestyle, God, every, every curse, Lord, that has been spoken over us, every experience, Lord that is trying to tell us who we are. We break it off in Jesus' name, and I bless our family with the identity that you have given them, that they are highly favored child of God. Lord, that if you are with them, and with you at their side, there is nothing that can stand against them. So I bless you all with the love of the Father, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the fellowship of his Holy Spirit. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray.